Welcome on into the 2-3 podcast. I'm Cam, that is Zach. This is going to be a sad recap because this was a rough game against UNC, a game that was in the bag, a game that we should have won, but alas, we came out with the L, 72-68. Zach, I mean, how do we even summarize this? Where do we even start? There's a, a lot to go over in this. Yeah, this one's a super sad it just hits the gut it's a heartbreaker for sure and it's it's one like you said we could have won a lot of ways we should have won but just didn't make it happen down the stretch there it was was tough even armando baycott said that syracuse should have won quote they played a great game and at the end we just got lucky there was very questionable calls there was an interesting take by judah I mean, we shot better than UNC. We did basically everything better than UNC in every single category that you have noted here, Zach. We basically beat them. Yeah, it's 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 insane. We looked through the stat line. We're winning in every category. Most notably is rebounds, 35 to 30, which the last time we got rebounded UNC was all the way back to 2016. And any other matchup since then has been like, you know, a 10, 10 rebound differential, if not more. So, you know, we're beating them every category and we literally played better, but we just lost it. It's, I don't know, this one, this one hurts the soul. And like, obviously we, we all know this, we've all been through this. So it's just, you, you kind of lost for words for this one, honestly. We shot better than UNC. We had more points in the paint than UNC. We made more blocks than UNC. When you look at the game overall, it it's really easy as a fan to blame one thing, to blame the refs or to blame that one play that happened. I feel like in this case, it was a culmination of different things. And I don't really like to blame the refs because they're just an element of the game that you can't necessarily control. And you basically have to control what you can control. In this case, though, the refs were a huge difference. The free throw differential was huge. Even Jim had noted it. And I think that if Jim is noting it, then obviously something is up because like Syracuse Twitter was talking about it. Jim was talking about it. The players were being interviewed about it afterwards. I, I don't think that you can look over the refs in this. Yeah, I mean, and this is something we like partially expected coming into this matchup in our preview of this game, we we touched on how against NC State, the game prior to this, that UNC had an insane differential for three throws in that game too, even worse than this. So they just have this ability or luck or something to get to the line. I mean, obviously, you know, you can argue with that their play style it evokes fouls and the ability to get to the line. Obviously, that does help them a lot. But tonight. And the stretch they've been on recently, these past few games, it just feels like they're getting to the line an unfair amount. I think that because Judah was interviewed about it afterwards and he's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like the 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 whole thing was just really, really odd. I mean, when the free throw differential is that much, though, three to 23. And like you said, the game prior, it was even worse than that. There's just got to be something that's noted there. There's got to be something that... Because UNC's play style, like you said, I guess it's a little bit more aggressive, but it doesn't really look that different than what other teams put out there. And I feel like we were 
playing our game. It wasn't like we were playing like a cleaner style or anything like that. It was just the way that we were doing it. I don't know. I, I think that, again, the, the refs were definitely a huge factor in this, but what we could control, I mean, we were, I thought that we played pretty decent, Zach. I thought that we played a, a great game. This was one of our better games, and if we came out with the win, we would probably be saying that this was probably the best win that we've had this season. You know, late game, I was like, this is going to be the best win of the year by far. Obviously, you know, coming in, we knew this could have been that, but I was feeling it. We were, we we're looking good. We, we came back after that slow start and we, we really put ourselves in a deep hole with that super slow start, which obviously that's a struggle all year. But luckily, again, we were able to pull ourselves out of it and we're looking good. JG3 was, was leading, leading the charge once again and doing some really great stuff. And yeah, this was this was seconds away, one different call, one different play, one luck to our favor away from being the marquee win that we've been looking for all year. You mentioned JG3. He led the team with 18 points and uh, had a a fantastic game, had a terrific first half. He showed a ton of confidence. He was shooting lights out. He was was showing the confidence that we had talked about in the previous episode, the previous recap that we did where we were talking about, hey, this is JG3's team. Like this is this is the way that he is going to lead this squad. It may be a little bit different than other leaders, but this is how he's going to do it. And, you know, he, he got in the lane. He made some great dishes. What we are seeing from Joe recently is a ton of leadership. And I think that he's starting to sort of reach the ceiling that we sort of expected from him earlier in the year. Yeah, I just think his presence is, is being felt. And that's within the box score, all across the box score. You know, whether it's scoring, assists. And also, I, I see, I hear and see, or I don't necessarily hear, but I see his presence being vocal on the court as well. There's times he's talking to guys after plays, before times, timeouts. So he's also being vocal. I think his his he's, he's really solidifying into this senior leadership role, and he's just rocking with it, and it's really great to see that from him. One interesting thing that I'm seeing from him is he's taking the ball up a lot. He is... I think this is probably a gym move if I if I had to guess because that would just make the most sense to me. He had five assists on the night. He is controlling pace a little bit more. I think more so than I thought that he was going to. But listen, you got to remember, JG3 came into this year having controlled point for, for what, two or three years. So this is basically like a second nature to him. It might not be his best skill set, but... If he's able to get it done and we don't have Cy out there, he's definitely the number two option when it comes to controlling point. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He, he spent three years running the point for this team. And, you know, I think his main struggle was with ball pressure. And, you know, when he when, when teams are doing that, but now that he knows he's like the second, third option to carry the ball up the court, like usually a defender isn't, you know, going to, you know, mark him full court. So he's able to bring it up bring the offense a different look, you know, just having the ball in JJ Shreve's hand, especially when he was feeling confident and playing well, it's just a different look. And, you know, it was, it's good. It's good looks. We do need to talk about him. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. Judah went on a tear late. He was showing tremendous leadership. He is such an incredible, just talent, man. Like you talk about it every single game. And when it comes down to the wire, even though he has made a couple of freshman mistakes 
I still trust him with the ball late in the game. I still trust that he's going to make that move that's going to put us ahead. Now, he couldn't get it done in this one. He made a drive, I think, a little bit too early. I didn't necessarily think that he had the lane again. I'm not him, so he's going to make that judgment out there. I'm merely just a person watching on a couch. So whatever he does, I'm sure it was the right move in his head and the right move for the team, but wasn't unfortunately able to get it done. I think that the talk of the town, though, are the two charges that he had that were extremely questionable, um, and especially the the elbow to the face, whether it was a flagrant one, whether it shouldn't have been, it ended up being one that kind of cost us the game. And as Jim, if you're good at lip reading, basically said like that's just the game when he was talking to the ref at the at the you know end of the call there. So Judah though is making some really terrific moves, and man, he's just you know if. When it comes late in the game, Zach, I want the ball in his hands. Yeah, and he proved that he he should have had the balls in the hand. You know, he came in down five, and he 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 made our team's next six points and got us up by one. And you know, obviously that last drive that everyone's talking about, it you know was ultimately you know didn't go in our favor. But before that, he was playing great, and he was the reason we were in the position that we were in. So it feels odd to. You know, put that much criticism under someone. The same guy that got was that put us in this position is also the same guy that you're like saying all this outlander stuff about. So a little bit of a double edged sword there, but yeah, nonetheless, heartbreak. Everyone knows. Everyone's still feeling it. Everyone's waking up today and the day after feeling upset, and you just got to kind of move on from this one though. It's over. You got to learn what you can and just got to move on. One of the biggest criticisms of Judah is that he is making too many freshman mistakes and that he shouldn't have the ball in his hands late in the game. They're just absurd comments, Zach. And like, they're not even really worth talking about, but I think what is worth mentioning is do you think that he just tries to be the hero a little bit too much? I mean, it's, it's, Potentially that could be happening depending on how you look at it, depending on, I mean, that's also sometimes what the offense calls for. I mean, that's his style of play when, when he's playing well and he's able to finish that is his game. And when he's finishing well, everyone loves it. You know, the, the danger side is when he's not finishing or if teams are taking charges, then we kind of get in this, get in these situations. So it's a blessing and curse at the same time. I get the argument. I get the angle. I don't know if I have a firm take on that, but that's where all, that's where we are on that. I mean, I do think people need to realize too. It is so hard to finish in a in a crunch time game like this. It is super super hard to, to you know be that clutch player just to score the the winning bucket or whatever it is. So people need to keep that in consideration too. You know, this is something that you know we've looked at. Guys like even like Buddy or Joe in previous years that had missed shots or didn't do what we what we as fans wanted them to do late game. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Very well put. But one more guy that I want to mention, Zach, uh, Chris Bell has had a pretty decent couple of games here. 15 points in this one. Huge shots that he hit late in the game. Some that I thought were like really tough angles, but... He's a shooter, man. He's able to get it done. He had a couple of good rebounds. He was aggressive on the boards. He had four, which again is a lot for him, but I thought that he was in the right spot at the right time. 
He was getting good minutes. He had 36 minutes in this one. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Chris. He's showing some emotion out there. And I think that this is exactly what he needed. Yeah, he had that breakaway dunk too, which was nice to see from him. I was like, oh, all right, Chris Bell. So that was cool. Yeah, I mean, things are starting to click for him. And, you know, he's going to have up and down games, but, you know, he's back on track against UNC. So that's what we like to see. And hopefully we can build upon this. And, you know, overall, I think his trajectory this year is going the right direction. And like I said, things are starting to click for him, which is really great to see. Where do you see his role on the team? Do you see him just mainly as a shooter? Do you see him, because again, he's shown time and time again that he was not really the strongest rebounder on the on the floor. Do you see him just as kind of like a, a shooter and that's really it? Do you see him trying to transition more into that rebounding guy that Jim wants? What do you see from him? I mean, obviously his main strength is shooting and, he, and he's shown the ability that he can do that and he's had some really great games here. I do think, you know, because of his size and athleticism, he could be a way better on defense, whether that's on the boards or just, you know, being a bigger presence on that side of the court, which I think he'll develop into something bigger there. But I think just overall, his style plays more priority on offense. But given his size and his athleticism, I really do think he has huge potential. This is something Devo mentioned, I think, on one of his shows that imagine Chris Bell at the top of the zone, that would be pretty insane. I think it would be a good fit for him too. I think that that way there's no pressure from him to try to rebound. If he can get there, that's great. But his strength is just is shooting. And that is what he was best at in high school. I think that he's shown time and time again, that he is the best shooter on the team other than JG three. So that's his strong suit that I think is his, his best option there. One more guy that I want to touch on really, really quick before we wrap up is I just want your take on Malik Brown in these past couple games. Obviously, in this game, he had two points. Previous game against Georgia Tech, he had 18. And then prior to that, he had only two again against Miami, and he was pretty much a non-factor. We're seeing a little bit of inconsistency from Malik. What are you seeing from his, I guess, game player? People just starting to kind of point him out. Do you think that he's doing something a little bit different on the boards? where he's not as, you know, um, I don't want to say not as reliant because that's not true, but just he's he's becoming human, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think he's still playing well overall. I mean, he still, you know, grabbed seven boards against UNC. So that's, that's, I mean, that's that's a team, tying team high with Jesse. So he definitely uh, like those boards. But I just think against when the opposing team has kind of like bigger guys, Obviously, with Baycott and Nance on the other team, like he got blocked if, like that one time. I just feel like the presence underneath the hoop was a way, way more against UNC. So he wasn't able to be as open as he's usually been and not really able to operate the same way. I mean, he still did good things. But, I mean, yeah, I still think Malik is one of our best and most consistent forwards. Obviously, there's a few games here. If you look through his games, where he, you know, has lower points and this and that, but I'm not worried. It is worth mentioning that, and is you know, obviously we're playing Virginia Tech next, and against Virginia Tech, he dropped his his first and only double double of the season. So, more than likely, he's going to get some pretty decent play time against the Hokies. And speaking of the Hokies, the next time you hear from us is going to be previewing that Hokies matchup on Saturday. And until you hear from us then, we will talk to you soon. Let's go Cuse.